I think the one thing that we need to talk about is what Scott has done with the fact that it's not in brackets. Yes. First round matchups are out there, but it's also he's got that old K1 style which I think yeah. is cool. Yep. Yep. Because if look at there's look at there's a lot of gamesmanship to that thing. Because if you get that first position, yeah, you're getting the bracket that you want or wherever you want to be, but as that choices go down and that's when you see who wants to fight who yeah. because you get to pick if those four brackets are taken now you yeah. decide who you get to pick yeah so I, no cool. my 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 whole thing on that on that on the take on that is you want to be like the guy who's number three or number four because yeah. you can put yourself against the toughest guy and you get to pick yep. and then you already matched up. You get to see how the four guys are laid out and where they've chose to go. And you can kind exactly. of put yourself where you want to be. I, I agree yep. with you 100% on, on that as well. It's very unique. But the one question I had, though, for you was I wanted to talk to you about um, I heard the first round is all three rounds. But it's I thought Patricio and, and yeah. Juan is five. No, all, all the first round fights. Yeah. Except for Archuleta against Pitbull. Okay. All except for that one are three because you have you gotta figure you're having four basic featherweight fights yep. in that night, and if that would be four five round fights, it's too much. you could go way over in time, so they couldn't do it. Yeah, it's too much. And we've got so much talent in this car in this uh in this Ooh, tournament. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Honestly, when I sat back and they were talking about sixteen fighters, and I'm thinking to myself, "Okay, who do we have?" I'm like, "You know, I, I, you know, Strauss, Patricio," and I was like, "You know, I, at the time, I was like Pico, you know, Sanchez." I'm like, "All right, that pretty much is pretty much it." And then all of a sudden, the brackets came out. I'm like, "Wow, we have a lot of like really good guys." Holy Dude, cow! And look at there's some guys that were sat out to the side too, like you're saying with Pico B one. But I think that's good right now. Yes. Although I'm sure Pico is upset that he's not in it. It's a good thing right now. I think it's a great thing you know? that he should. I don't think he should be in he, it. And there's nothing personal well, against him at all. I just think that for him to grow as an MMA guy, let's let's kind of let's kind of take you back a little bit, just so we can go forward. Sometimes it's better exactly. to take one or two steps backwards. Let's set our feet. Let's readjust. Let's regain plan. Let's refocus with a new camp. That's one. Let's refocus with a new camp and then move forward into the next thing. Oh, absolutely. You know, and you said it exactly right. Sometimes you got to take two steps back to take three steps forward. Yeah. You know, but when you're young and you haven't had to take those backward steps before, yeah. it's a new thing. And sometimes, you know, you got to get through this. That's the maturity of a fighter. Mm -hmm. And, you know, He's a guy that he's going to be there. He just needs to settle down into what he's doing, settle in where he's at with Jackson Wink now, yeah. and come out and just start fighting the guys that they put in front of him. Don't try to be always knocking people out. Go about doing what you have game yeah. plan to do. And at least, you know, with you know Greg Jackson in his corner, he's got a very good game planner with him. I actually thought his last fight was probably against a very, very tough guy in Adam Borks who I thought uh, he fought his best fight. He just got so caught up in only wrestling. And I talked about this on the on the broadcast. I said, all the questions about Pico that need to be answered. I know we're talking about Pico and he's not in the tournament, but I feel like these are things that will lead into <laughs> these are things that will lead into Borks when we get into that conversation with him and Curran. Um is with Pico is that he hasn't all the questions that need to be answered about him is he can't do two things at one time. He can do one thing. He yep. can wrestle. He can he can punch. He can kick. But he can't mesh them together. And that's what the MMA transition. is all about. It's the transitions yeah. of getting in on the takedowns, transition of putting your boxing and your wrestling together and making it work against your opponent. Think, and know, Adam figured about him out. You back when you were starting and you were you came from a wrestling background. Yeah. And how did you fight? You wrestled. You were learning striking, but your ability to bring striking in was more or less to close a distance so you could get a takedown, go to the ground, and then maybe use striking for your finish. Yeah. But there's a big difference in that type of striking compared to being on your feet and striking with someone as you have that freedom of movement. So, you know, it's, it takes time. And everyone looks at it be, oh, because, oh, he was an Olympic uh, you know, prospect in wrestling. And, oh, he did this and he did that. It's golden gloves. Look. He's young, man. He is so young. And it's it's part of the whole thing is sometimes you got to be careful what you ask for. And, you know, he wanted those big fights. And it's a matter of you have the 
ability. You have the athletic ability. You have the mental fortitude to take on those challenges. But have you put in the time to create that symbiotic relationship of all those skills that you're talking about? And that's where he was lacking. And that's what he's got to do. And once he does, look out. He's going to be back and he's going to be a monster. Yep. There will be some There will be some growing pains with uh... – Jackson Wink, though, over there at that gym as well. It's going to take him some time to get into the groove of having a new camp, being told what to do, you know, being away from home. All that stuff is going to take some time. So I think it's best that he wasn't. I agree that I think it's best he wasn't in this tournament. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. So let's over. let's let's just talk. Let's just go fight by fight, and we'll let's we'll, just, go, we'll baby. bust him out. Bring, the best. Which one do you want? I'll, I'll bring up the second one. <laughs> I'm thinking <laughs> for the first fight, Strauss and Campos. Oh. Man, all right, just tell me, what was your impression of Daniel Strauss in his comeback fight? What did you think? I thought he fought a very smart, well-calculated fight, someone who realized that he needed that win to get himself above the hump. And when I talked to him in the back, um, off camera, his, and I'm getting goosebumps talking about it, he's like, he's, he just straight up just said, I fucking need this. And it yeah. wasn't. It wasn't just be. It's not just financially. It's he needed it for his own mental stability to get through to the next thing in his life. Whatever it was, he he needed it for him. And I think when it happened the way it happened, when he was when he was able to get the knockout and the finish and as look as good as he did, and composed and relaxed, and I think he felt good, and he was able to take a shot. He was able to you know, I think all the cobwebs got knocked off, and I think honestly. Campos is a perfect fight for him in the first round of this tournament. I think in a lot of ways you're right. And I think the one thing that I really saw out of Daniel's fight was he was able to go in and realize, ah, you know what? I can do this. It wasn't just that something that I needed to do. I can do it and I can be competitive. And that's, that's sometimes a hard thing because after you have that serious injury that he had, Look at you got to have doubt. There's always going to be some doubt. And it's like, can I do this to that same level? And I'm not even saying he was at the same level in the, his last fight compared to what he was before the injury. But that fight allowed him now to go back into training and to realize, hey, I can push. I can get there. I can go back to the guy that I was. And I was very happy to see that he didn't go back to wrestling a lot in that first fight. He was taking angles. He was doing smart stand up he was controlling distance and that's the hard thing when you're fighting to realize hey how do i control that distance do i have that same speed am i able to look at this and read this move myself back enough to now come with a counter and he was able to do those things and that's what will give you confidence as a fighter so i, I honestly believe like you do that fight against compost that is a good fight because the one thing about compost their wrestling matches up very well mm -hmm. it's you know Strauss has a had a high school background in wrestling, okay, because he had some problems later on, but he was a phenomenal high school wrestler. Campos has got good wrestling. Their wrestling is going to cancel each other out for a large part of this fight, and I honestly think it's which Derek Campos comes in because we've seen Derek come in with a lot of confidence, a lot of composure, and then overextend and get caught by somebody, and then we've seen the guy who has actually been He's laying back and he's not doing the things he needs to do to take that step forward to get that win. And you're you're waiting on him. You're saying, where's it at? And this fight right here is going to say a lot about who Derek Campos is. You had you had Derek's last fight in the European series. What did you think of it? No, so I actually had a moment to talk with him after the fight. And here's the problem. The problem was he's working 14-hour days, trying to train in the, in the evening one time a day and trying to get in phenomenal shape. He finally realized he was burning the candle at both ends. And he's like, he basically just kind of put his job on hold the last two weeks. The camp's over, though. Two weeks, the last two weeks before you fight, your camp is over. If you're not in shape by then, you're really just cooling down by then for your camp. He thought he was going to ramp it up the last two weeks and come out there and have a great performance. The one thing I noticed in that thing, and I said it the day he weighed in, he looked flat. His 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 body tone looked flat. Everything about him looked either overtrained or way undertrained. And so when I talked to him, he's like, no, I was undertrained. But doesn't mean that he didn't – what he tried to do is he tried to make it all up in those last two weeks. So I think I yeah. think my personal opinion after looking at him, he his, his eyes looked tired. He looked exhausted. I asked him how the weight cut was. He said it wasn't a problem. 
all the things. He's like, no, I didn't have a hard time making the weight. It's just that he just really didn't. He tried to cram everything in the last two weeks. And when that happens, you overtrain the last two weeks. And when you show up, you can see it in his body. It was smooth. There was no definition to his muscle. There was no pump. There was no, there was no like striations to his muscle tone, nothing. And when you see no that, and yeah, when you see that in a fighter, you either know you they've overtrained or they've wave undertrained. So my opinion on him yeah, was that over, he said he's going to change. He said he was changing it for this tournament because I said this. Uh, my my advice to him was this: is that this is not basketball, football, and hockey where you're just slapping a puck around. Your head's getting bashed in. This isn't something you do half ass. So if you're going to do this, you have to do it full go or get out. And that's just advice from an old fighter to a younger a younger guy who I think he should he. I think he sounded like he was going to take the advice. I just wanted the best for all the guys in this tournament, all of them to come out healthy. And my advice to him was just focus on this fight, especially one fight at a time, but do it 100%. Don't do this half-ass. You're giving him the best of it. Look at You either jump both feet all the way in or get out. Yep. I mean, if you're not 100% into this, if you are having to you know, work a job to pay for things and then come into training – it's okay to fight. I'm not saying it's not. It is okay to fight, but you better be fighting on regional shows at a lower mm -hmm. level because you can't do that against the very best. It just doesn't work. And so you're giving him really good advice. And it'll be it'll be interesting to see how Derek comes into this because at a hundred percent, you know, I, I've done a lot of Derek's fight. He is a just rock solid, tough guy that will stand in front of anybody and mm -hmm. go after it. And if he has that mindset. This fight between him and Strauss is just going to be incredible. No, I agree with you 100%. I think Strauss has the speed and the power advantage. Uh, Campos has the grittiness to walk through whatever uh, Strauss does and try and land the big shots like you saw against Gertz. He'll be that kind of fighter where he just tries to walk through it, slip and move, and throw counters. And if he can get on there and touch Strauss's chin, it changes the dynamic of the fight. But I think Strauss's speed and power and the ability to cut angles like he did in his last fight is going to be the difference in the fight. I'm going to lean a little bit towards Strauss, even coming off the, the major injury. But I want to see if Campos made the adjustments that we talked about in the UK series. Yeah, so the, it, everything you're saying. If if you're you know two weeks out of the fight, man, all the hay's in the barn. That's not the yeah. time to start trying to put it there. Exactly. If you don't have it all in the barn by then. It's not going to go. Yeah. So good advice as far as what you're giving him. But let's go to the next one in this thing. Got Sal Rogers against Daniel Weichel. What's your take <laughs> on that one? Oh man, I like Daniel Weichel, man. I love him. I love He's watching awesome. him fight. I love watching him fight. The problem is Rogers is a freaking animal. The guy's an animal. I don't I just I don't I don't see a way that I don't see a way that Daniel's gonna be able to win this fight if Rogers just takes it to him. Daniel's someone that though, even though I even though I just said that, I'm gonna give you guys my and what's going through my mind. Daniel always, Daniel always finds ways to make guys fight his pace. Always, he always finds guy. He always finds a way to like slow their pace down and make them think about everything he does. Because he's not the most explosive, the most dynamic, the most. But he's very technical. He's a very technical fighter. He's someone that he teach. He can make you work to understand like anything you do. He can try to shut you down and stop you. Makes you second guess what you do. I just think with the explosiveness and the power and the wrestling of Rodgers, I think Rodgers is going to be able to, to just either push him to the fence, get the big takedowns, and really change Weissel's game on how he fights. Yeah, I, I look at this fight a lot like you do. I have nothing but respect for Daniel Weissel. I go back to Weissel's champ, first championship match against Patrice Pitbull. And look at, he had Pitbull in trouble in that fight. He was starting to pick him apart in the first round of that fight. And coming into it, he tried to finish it off in the second, made a mistake, got caught with a shot to put him out. But technically, he's so good. Yep. His movement is so good. And that's what Rodgers is going to have to try to take away. The elusiveness of Vichel. Vichel will come in, he'll give a shot. And you'll see him laterally circle himself out, reset, and come with another one as you're turning that corner. He's so good at setting guys up off of that. That's something that Rodgers is going to have to deal with. Now, I look at it almost the same way as you. I think that for Vichel to win this, 
Vyshel doesn't win this on a decision. Vyshel wins this by stopping Sal Rogers. Yeah. Can he do that? He can do that. He's got the power to hurt anybody in the featherweight division. I look at Rogers taking this fight, and I see Rogers doing exactly what you're saying, utilizing that superior strength he's got. He's strong. He's big for the division, mm-hmm. and he's a good wrestler. I see him taking Vyshel down, and if he takes Vyshel down, I don't see Vyshel being able to put him into a submission that's going to stick. And I see Rogers just systematically breaking him down, either getting him in every round or eventually getting it to the point where he breaks him down. You see a TKO referee stoppage. But two two guys looking at this fight, it can go in a lot of ways depending upon who's able to establish that control of the position. I think in a five-round fight, if uh, it favors Daniel Weissel, but... In a three-round fight, Rodgers can take him down. I think it will for the first two, two-and-a-half rounds. And in the beginning of the third round, he'll get one. He may suffer a little bit in the end of the third. He has a hard time as the fight goes on, continuing to wrestle at that level, Okay, it's against, especially yeah. some, against someone like Daniel Weissel. Now, in a five-round fight, I would have probably leaned towards Daniel, but in a three-round fight, I'm going to go with Rodgers. First round's three rounds, so yeah. nothing you can do. you got to go with what you got. You know, it's, it's, it's an interesting fight, though. It really is. It's yep. so good. And a lot of people, have, you know, they haven't seen Saul Rogers, so they really don't know the level that, that Vaishal is up against. Well, I think Daniel Vaishal is the, the, the best technician in the whole bunch of guys that are on this card, that, that are in this tournament. I think he's the best technician. I can't think of another one off the top of my head right now. I think Curran's tough. Borks is tough. But none of them, I think, are as all well-rounded as much of a technician as Vaishal is. Uh, it's it's a good point, but you got, you know, let's take a look at one of the next matchups, Pedro Carvalho. You're big on him. Look at that one. Yeah. I am big on him, man. Yeah. You know, look at, this is a guy that people don't know about, and he came in, you know, to Bellator, and he has basically run through everybody that he has faced, and he is just good everywhere. Now, he's not just remarkable anywhere he's good everywhere mm. and that's what you need to be as a as a mixed martial artist like we get a lot of guys coming in you know we just had the show gabriel varga is one of the best stand-up kickboxers in the world at 145 pounds this is a guy is a six-time world champion two-time glory champion he's the bellator kickboxing champion and you see watch what happens when he gets taken off of his feet now he won the fight but you watch what happens when he's taken off his feet and all of a sudden that level just starts to flatten out because he just hasn't gotten that skill level of the ground up to where his striking is at. But you look at Pedro Carvalho, I'm telling you, man, he doesn't flatline out. His striking is good. His wrestling is good, which is really remarkable to me. And his submission game is outstanding. So he's the full package. Yeah, and Sam Cecilia just doesn't fight smart at times. That's the concern with him is that he's he's a little bit reminds me a little bit of Campos and Gertz and the fact that he fights kind of like reckless and just guns blazing, which sometimes puts him in positions to lose a fight. Sam is always entertaining, always great to watch fight, but he's also the guy that just fights recklessly. I think Pedro's going to capitalize on just using all the technique that he has to win that to win that, especially in a three round fight. Yeah, three round fight. I mean, Sam came in. Look, he looked great against Galval. Mm-hmm. You know, he got his first win. He had the second fight was against Sanchez, and Sanchez was on a roll right there and got him. But then he had a beautiful fight coming back, very tough fight against Campos. And but that's the kind of fight that Cecilia he he shines in. It's uh, let me bite down on my mouthpiece and throw a big shot. You can throw a shot at me, and I'm going to land mine, and you'll land yours, and we'll see who comes out better in the end. I just don't think that's the kind of style that he can bring into this fight against Carvalho and be successful with. He can absolutely knock Carvalho out. He's got that kind of power in his hands. But he needs to bring back that wrestling that he started with. He needs to bring back the full game of taking someone down to the ground, utilizing that ground and pound that he has, sometimes even looking for submissions. If he does that, this will be a different fight. If he comes in as a one-dimensional guy, Looking for a knockout, I, I, I give Carvalho the edge. Biting down on your mouthpiece is great for the fans, yeah. But it's not always great for your career. So you know you got. I you totally got, agree with you. In brother. this situation, with a million dollars on the line from Fifty Cent, as well as all your fight purses, you, these guys need to find ways to fight smart. 
You would, you know, you would think so. Yeah. And then sometimes <laughs> guys walk into that damn right. cage and it, that door shuts and you watch them and it's just, they go in and they start winging. It's like, slow down. You have time. You don't yeah. have to end this in the first 25 seconds. But look at adrenaline and, you know, you know what it's like. Adrenaline gets you and, and you want to win. You, you, you don't want to look bad. You want to just show everyone what you've been training and what you can do. And so it, it's tough. I understand. Biting down the mouthpiece is a good thing at times, but usually not, not the right idea for, for, the, for a positive career move. You know what fight I'm I, The fight that I am in kind of my second fight I'm being most interested to see is the Sanchez-Claxton fight. And the reason being is because it's Claxton analysis. This, for me, is a huge step up in competition for him. He's been doing oh, no very doubt. well. He's been doing very well. Highlight reel knockouts. We've seen it all. But he's only 5-0. and But he's also pretty big for the weight. When you stand next to him, I feel like he's he's strong. You can see he's physically strong with his the way he handles guys in the cage. His wrestling is on point. He's put it all together. He's a little weak off of his back compared to um, like Sanchez has stepped up his grappling game a lot. In his last, his most recent fight, oh, yeah. but can he, can he attack so much against Claxton, who's doing so well with his ground and pound and his top position and such such good control? Can he? Can Sanchez keep the fight on the feet to really fight the pace on the feet to to make Claxton lose his condition in his cardio and start panicking and maybe shoot a bad shot for for a knockout or something along those lines? This fight's interesting to me because. If one person doesn't implement their game plan properly, the other person can get finished. If Claxton can't get him down and keep him down and yeah, hold ground pound and avoid the submissions, Sanchez is going to get him. You know, if Claxton if can't do that, and if Sanchez can't stay off of his back and he can't catch the submission early in the fight when there's when they're still kind of dry, it could be a long night of getting ground and pounded from the bottom for Sanchez because he shoots submissions like crazy. Reminds me of Pettis a little bit how he shoots all those submissions yeah. from the bottom. But if he doesn't get it, it could be a, it could be a, a long night of ground and pound for him. Well, he's got that same background from Dan, Daniel Vanderlei as far as his jiu-jitsu game, and it's very similar to what Anthony Pettis does. I think it's actually better than Pettis's in the, overall now. Mm -hmm. I think Emmanuel Sanchez as a submission fighter, look, he came into MMA as a as a guy that just loved to stand up and strike. He was a kickboxer, and his ground game is so good now. Yeah, his submission game is set up. You, you look for the setups and the transitions that he that he creates, you know, and he did that when he fought Cecilia. You watch just the way he made every position dangerous for Sam. Mm -hmm. That's a guy you got to be careful of. But like you're saying, Taiwan Claxton, he's a dark horse in this because look at overall in the record. Yes, he's undefeated, but he's young in his career. He's not a young guy, but he's young in his career and who he's gone against, and now he's taking the definite biggest step up out of everybody mm -hmm. in this tournament. He's the guy you look at and say he's got the least experience out of everyone. But he is incredibly strong for the featherweight division, and he is fast, and he can cover ground just amazingly quick mm -hmm. as far as how, how much distance he can cover. You think you're at a safe distance from him, and he'll move, and he covers that distance so fast and hits you, and it's like, how did he How did he get there that fast? That's what he brings. So he, this is a real question. Can he control his emotions, not try to match strike for strike with Emmanuel Sanchez, and just do what he does best? That is, control that distance, create that explosive movement, because look at Explosive movement takes energy, like you're talking about. And if this was a five-round fight, there's no doubt in my mind I would pick Sanchez. He's going to run through him because he's going to take that those rounds and he's going to start to just bury him by that pressure and, and that pace. And eventually all that fast twitch energy starts to just yeah. tail off. But in a three-round fight, if Claxton can get Sanchez down, like you're saying, just a couple of times in it, I don't know if, if Sanchez is going to be able to pull off. I've seen Claxton pull himself out of submission attempts just two, two ways, muscling out and technique. So he knows both, and he has that power on his side to do it. This is an interesting fight because, look, at Sanchez is the guy, if you're looking at everyone besides the Archuleta Pitbull fight, you got A.J. McKee and Sanchez. Those are the two guys that deserve championship sh shots again. Now, Sanchez had his one. He lost a five-round decision to Pitbull. Yeah. But, you know, as far as this tournament, man, 
he's in the top four of the 16, no doubt, oh, easily. as far as people you would pick to win it. Yeah, no, I easily, easily. I think he learned a lot from the Patricio fight, too, when he fought Pitbull. I think he learned a lot of what he needs to change and how he needs to make adjustments throughout the fight to, to, to end up getting to that title shot again. The uh, I know the fight we talked about yesterday, uh, last week, just off the top of our head, was the one that we were most interested in was the Curran-Borks fight. Oh, man, I, look at you, you and I talked about Adam yeah. Borch before the Pico fight. And and both of us, you know, we said, look, at, I honestly think Adam Borch is going to win this fight. And there was reasons why. And you can take a look at Borch, Borch's MMA career. He was now 13-0 and as an MMA pro. Mm -hmm. He was, I believe, I want to say 6-0 and as an amateur. He's 10-0 and as a kickboxer. He's never lost in combat sports, mm -hmm. okay? There's a reason why, and I've seen him where he's been in fights where he's just dominated someone, and I've seen him in fights where he's had problems that he's had to get himself through, and he does that, and he does it in a very cool and calculated manner. He's very mature for his age as far as his fight IQ. He understands how to adjust himself during the fight. You take a look at what was happening in that Pico fight, Look at he was getting taken down and taken down at will at times, and it was okay. You watch, he stayed cool, he stayed collected, he just waited for that moment. And when he saw the moment, he took advantage of it, landed a beautiful knee, and ended that fight. And that's the fight IQ that I'm talking about. He knew what he needed to do. He just needed that moment to occur, and then he needed to capitalize on it, and he did. And look at he is he's the future. He is that guy you're looking at. Man, there's a couple of guys you can say, that guy is special. And I think Adam Borch is special. I think he's got speed. He's got strength. He's got length. Everything you're looking at for an MMA fighter in that weight class, he has it. And up here, he has it too. So that's going to be an incredible matchup because Pat Curran is a guy I loved as a fighter. I think... I used to take and you know put his fights on and watch and tell people this is defense. Watch, look at his chin, mm -hmm. look at his hands, look at his movement. Pat Curran has done it all in MMA, and you know he could walk away with a win, giving Adam Borch his first loss easily in this fight, moving on in the tournament because he has that skill level still in him, no doubt. You know he is a guy that you have to contend with from the beginning of that round to the end of that fight. He's going to be there. I always, I was never really, I was I was impressed with his fight IQ, Curran, and I was impressed with the way he fought against a lot of the top guys from back in the day. But the time that he had off, I didn't expect him to do so well against AJ McKee. And when he came out and had a dominant, he had a great performance, even though he came up short, he had a great performance. And when he had a great performance, you know what went through my mind? What went through my mind was that he's in a way better place. After talking with him, he was in a way better place um, mentally, throughout his whole time, no injuries, things are good at home, his life was back on track, everything about him was better. And it showed in that fight, he seemed like there was nothing that AJ McKee that did to him that surprised him. He fought a smart fight, he didn't get the win, but I think he showed against a top guy, against AJ McKee, jumping right back in after such a long layoff that he's right back in that that title talk contention. And I, if I'm going to give another dark horse, the guy that, that can win this thing would be him. because And even maybe he's not considered a dark horse, but to me he is because all that time off, and people we haven't talked about him in a long time until just recently with the A.J. McKee fight, but I think even now people are going to overlook him into this tournament. And with the amount of experience he has of fighting top-level guys and being one of the best always in Bellator, I think he is that guy that could potentially upset the next guy, uh, a Sanchez or a Juan Archuleta or, you know, Patricio. He could be that guy who ends up giving Borks his first loss and then moving on to the next round. And I think with the new way of K1, this the whole K1 setup for the for the um for this final Grand Prix, if he picks his cards right and he ends up in the right spots, he could end up getting right not an easy pass. Obviously, there's no easy passes. But it could no. be his. It could be. It could be a softer and easier walk there instead of going through every single hard, tough guy. Well, you got to take a look and look at Pat Byrne is a two-time champion. Mm -hmm. He has beaten. If you're going to take a look at okay, who's the top five? If you're going to rate them in this tournament, well, you got to say the champion is there with Pitbull. 
Pat Curran has beaten Pitbull. Mm-hmm. All right, you got to say, well, Archuleta is getting that that shot. He's only got one loss in his career. Okay, Archuleta. That's a guy he hasn't faced off against. AJ McKee. There's another one. Now he fought AJ, lost to him in his last fight. But you know what? Like you said, and I believe it. I thought AJ would do better mm-hmm. against Pat Curran in that fight. I thought he would be doing a lot more things because Pat was coming off of a long layoff, and I thought it was going to be a really hard fight for Pat. And I was very impressed with the way Pat went through that fight. Now, he did lose it, no doubt about it, but we're talking about he lost rounds, and yeah. we're talking some of them were this close. Yeah. So it was just little things that he had to do different that could switch that round upside down, and then he's the guy coming out on top in that fight. So you look at the guys that are there, Emmanuel Sanchez, he might be one of those guys in the top five, like I said before, and Pat Curran has a win against Emmanuel Sanchez. Look, he has all the skill there. And like you're saying, I think uh, two years ago, Pat Curran was done. I think mentally he was done with the sport of MMA. I think he was tired. I think it just, you know, there was no excitement there. It was an effort to get up to go to the gym. And now he's excited about it again. And he's excited about this tournament. He talked about it saying, you know what? I am going to win that tournament. That million dollars is mine. That's going to set my family up. That's what I'm going to, that's what I'm going to aim for. I have my wife behind me. I have my kid now. I am a new fighter. I'm a new man. And I think he has a lot to prove. And this could be the start of something special for Pat Curran. Yeah, I, de- I definitely agree. I think he that's I think he's the dark horse for me out of everyone based on the fact that he's long layoff. And now after talking with him before the AJ McKee fight, his mentality, his his mental look into the into what his future holds for fighting is a lot brighter right now. The um, Sometimes being able to be the guy that you know he's that's going in now that he went against AJ McKee who was undefeated mm-hmm. and he's going again against Adam Borch who's undefeated. That's sometimes that that gives you that little extra incentive to say, oh yeah, I'm gonna put a I'm gonna put a dent on the end of that record for you. I'm gonna put a little mark. The difference and, is though, you know, Adam Borch will be in front of him. Adam Boris will be in front of him. AJ McKee was never standing directly in front of him. His punch, punch, kick, get out of the way, the speed, the length, the range was a problem for him to deal with. Adam Boris will be in front of him, and I think that may potentially work against Adam Boris against Curran. It could. It absolutely could. I, I do believe in that fight that Borch has the length, the speed advantage in mm-hmm. this fight. Now, the length, not so much. It's probably a little bit two inches in the reach. Yeah. But the speed is the difference, and Pat's got to use his feet mm-hmm. to control that difference in the speed. If he uses his footwork, he can absolutely nullify it. If he doesn't, he's going to get picked apart. Got it. The Darian Caldwell and Henry Corrales fight. Ah, <laughs> you know, I got you know there a couple of things. You know, Darian's coming off of you know two back-to-back losses. In the Bantamweight division against Horiguchi. Now, I truly believe that he is losing way too much weight to make Bantamweight. So I think the the best thing that could ever happen to Darian Caldwell is to get himself out of the Bantamweight division at 135 pounds. Go to the 145 division. He is going to be a guy that is feels so much better after the first minute of the first round. And he's going to be like... Man, I'm not tired because he was starting to – you could see it in his last fight against Horiguchi. He was tired at the end of the first round. I'm, I'm looking at his diaphragm as he's breathing, and you can see it's moving. And that's that's not because he's not a guy that's not going into the gym and he's not in shape. He's in shape. His body is shutting down based upon having to lose so much weight. He wrestled at 149 pounds back in 2009, and he's fighting at 135 pounds now. You cannot tell me that's good. The older you get, the worse that weight cut becomes. So I honestly think this is a huge thing for Darian Caldwell to come in at 145 pounds and fight at a weight that is a true weight that is good for his health and good for him to show what he can do in the cage. That's a, that's a huge element to me. Yeah, I think that... Corral's going to have a hard time stopping his takedowns. And in a three-round fight, I'm going to give the edge to Darian. I like Henry Corrales. I think he's got the power and all those things to to, to touch Caldwell's chin and make him second-guess his takedowns, but not in a three-round fight. I just think that Caldwell's going to be <clears throat> size, length, explosiveness, the wrestling pedigree. Everything about Darian Caldwell says that he should win this three-round fight hands down. Everything about it. But 
Henry Corrales always finds <gasps> a way to touch someone's chin and put their lights out. He just finds yeah. ways to make you second guess your shot or make you stand at a range where he could reach you and touch you. If Darian fights this fight smart, he could potentially get Henry out of here in the you know by the end of the first or halfway through the second, or he could also just grind it out for a full you know three rounds. But it's only a three round. If it was five, I would probably lean maybe a little bit more towards Henry. But it's not five; it's three. I'm gonna give you a little thing on Henry. Henry was fighting in King of the Cage. And he was the champion at King of the Cage. Now, we all know that King of the Cage is a step down in, in levels, but I saw something special in him. And I actually you know, went to Rich Chow and said, hey, man, you need to sign this kid. He's tough. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's tough. He, has, he does not know what back down, yep. back away. Mm -hmm. He has no idea what that is. And this, guy, this kid's going to put fights on for you. And so Rich ends up signing him. I think he was 10-0 and 0 at the time. Mm -hmm. And I... I'm not sure what which his first fight was. I'm thinking it was Emmanuel Sanchez. It might Daniel have been Strauss. Reversed. But he Daniel ends up Strauss. fighting Emmanuel Sanchez. No, it was Daniel Strauss. Yep. He fights the ex-champ in Daniel Strauss in his first fight. Yep. He fights the ex-champ in Patricio Pitbull in his second fight. Third fight. And he fights Emmanuel Sanchez yep. in his third fight. Yeah. And those are his three losses yep. in his career. Those are his three losses in Bellator. And the three losses in his career. But the one thing he proved is, hey, I am here to fight. Emmanuel Sanchez knocked out five, five, Josh, of Henry Corrales' teeth in the very first round with a knee. He ate those teeth and kept fighting and lost a split decision in that fight to Emmanuel Sanchez. Yeah. This is a guy that does not know how to say, I give in. You take a look at his fight against... You know, Pico. Pico rocked him. Yep. And it's something about Henry that he can draw guys into that brawl. You know, you know, I don't want to brawl with this guy. And all of a sudden you're doing it and he's landing shots on you. And that is the question in this fight. Can he suck him into that brawl? Can Darian not think of going for the takedown? But I want to try to knock this guy out. And if Darian does that, he is going to lose this fight. Mm -hmm. He is going to get knocked out by Henry Corrales. So he needs to be a smart fighter. Watching what Henry does and coming into that cage, he needs to go back to his roots. And when he does get the takedown, posture, move position, and land strikes. And if that means that you have to land the strikes to lose the position, land the strikes, let the position go, and then go back in and take him down again. Mm -hmm. There's nothing more frustrating than letting... Then letting your opponent up and then taking him back down. Your opponent just can mentally, not that Henry Cross would mentally break because we've seen that he won't do that. But I'm simply saying that it does start to take its toll on you and your your ability your ability to get up over and over. It starts to fade and you start to settle in a little bit on the bottom and start trying to hit submissions instead of trying to get back up to your feet. And if Darian can do that Sorry. in a three-round fight, I think he can do that for three rounds, especially now at 145 pounds where it's a better weight for him to be at. That weight class is huge, in my opinion, for Darian Caldwell. Gotcha. Now, um, the other fight was A.J. McKee. We were talking about A.J. McKee earlier against Georgia Carhanian. Yep. It's To me, I think this, this reminds me a lot of the Caldwell-Corrales fight because you have someone who's extremely athletic, very, very uh, good wrestling, uh, explosive, long range, all that uses good footwork, all those things. Darian does the same thing with his wrestling, the way he sets everything up. AJ tends to leave a little bit more in the gas tank as the fight goes on versus Darian Caldwell. Corhanian, though, he's fought all the best guys. He's come up short on a couple occasions. But is what my concern always with is with him is that he just hasn't looked like he's wanted to he's as motivated to be where he is right now in this position. I think his name got him into this tournament, but how long will he stay in there? Because I don't see him really feel like he's wanting to be like he wants to keep fighting i think maybe like some time off something along those lines i'm getting that feel from him a little bit the motivation and the excitement of fighting is not there like it used to be when i first came into bellator i couldn't get that guy off my twitter page man he was talking shit to me every left every step of the way trying to get a fight with me <laughs> he was motivated to fight me 
But now I don't I don't hear anything about him. I don't hear about what he's doing. I don't see any anything from him when it comes to fight stuff. He lost to Emmanuel Sanchez. I mean, he's you know like he had a no con a no contest or a, yeah no contest, and it's just he just I think when you have no contest and a loss, it kind of like makes you feel like you're not achieving anything. Because you've had a no contest, you did all that camp, and now you have a no contest. Then you go in there, you have a good camp, or you have a camp, and then you lose to Emmanuel Sanchez. You're taking steps backwards after you've been in the promotion for so long, and you haven't got closer to the title. And I can see potentially in his performances that he's really like either getting frustrated or he just doesn't seem like he wants to, or the 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 fighting the fighting in him is not there as much as it used to be. Yeah, I think when you're looking at Georgie Carhanian, his nickname says it all as far as what he needs to bring back in for this fight against AJ McKee. He needs to be insane mm -hmm. at times. He needs to take chances. Yep. He needs to create situations that are not the norm. Don't go after AJ in the manner that you think you're going to outstrike him at distance. You're not. Nope. Okay, don't think you're going to go in there and I'm going to out-wrestle him. You're not. Nope. All right, you know, like I know, AJ McKee is special. Yep. All right, and he's in that that mode of a guy that I look at and I say, who's the guy that can eat, can beat AJ McKee? AJ McKee. Yep. He's the guy that can beat himself by not doing the right things, not preparing, or taking stupid chances during the fight that he didn't have to take for no reason. Those are the things that will get AJ McKee a loss. But if you're Georgie Carhanian going into this, you got to go in saying, I'm the underdog. They're putting me into this tournament because they know I can put on a show, but they're putting me against that young stud that everyone is saying should be fighting for the championship. Okay, no problem. Yeah. I'm going to figure out my way of creating chaos for AJ McKee in this fight. And that's what I think Georgie has to do. He has to look at the way that AJ comes into the fight as far as his, his ability to control that distance and how he controls it, utilizing the sidekick. When someone uses a sidekick, there's things that you can do if you're ready for it. If you're not, it's just going to be that long-distance jab that keeps on pushing you back. But if you're waiting for it and you have counters established and ready, there's things for you to do if that sidekick doesn't work the way it's supposed to. Yeah. And these are the moments that I think Georgie Carhanian needs to become insane and go after AJ McKee, create these situations, and that's how he can come out with a win in this fight. He needs to take a page out of what Curran did to AJ McKee. He waited for AJ to overextend, and Curran tried to land some clean punches from there because he knew he wasn't going to outspeed him. He knew he was going to outrange him with the length and the range and the speed and the athleticism to get in there. So he waited for him to overextend. He tried to land the big shot or the combinations to make AJ McKee second guess whether he wanted to keep doing that or not and was hoping to work his way in. Eventually, the, the time ran out, and he wasn't able to do it, but he landed some good stuff during that fight. It made AJ fight a whole totally different fight. Carhaya needs to do the same exact thing, but he needs to put a little yep. bit more emphasis on getting after him with those combinations. Jeff just kept waiting. Curran just kept waiting and waiting. Carhaya needs to make it happen every time AJ McKee overextends. Carhaya has nothing to lose. He has nothing to lose at go. all. Current, current at the time, he had everything in his mind was I have to get back on track. I got to get a win. I'm in a better place in my life. Like this is three, you know what? What three years off? Two something like that. He uh, needed to get. Yeah, he needed to get back on. He needed to get back on track. Curran did. His performance, he was happy with afterwards. When you talk with him, sure, he wanted to win, but he was happy. Carlyon doesn't, he he needs he needs to do this. He needs to get after it. He needs to let it all hang out, man. You got, you, this is it. This is, this is, realistically, to me, I feel like this is all or nothing for you at this moment. You've been in the organization for a long time. You fought all the best guys. You've come up short against those best guys. This is your opportunity to shine. A big win over AJ McKee, I think, puts him in a, in a very good position to do whatever he wants in this tournament. Hey, man, a win against AJ, it, that that just sets your career in motion. Yep. The, from this point forward, you do that, you have done something no one else has been able to do, and you did it in that featherweight tournament. Mm -hmm. Come on, that's everything. And I, Look at Georgie's a phenomenal fighter. He's mm -hmm. super tough, super strong. He's got power in his hands. You just you got to look at the matchup, and sometimes you got to say – you know what? I'm just going to go for it. And that's what he needs to do. Exactly. I agree. The last fight we're going to talk about, the biggest fight I think in the whole first round, 
is Patricio Pitbull Ooh. and Juan Archuleta. Juan Archuleta asked for this fight. He said, "This is the fight I want." I, there's what? What am I waiting for? You know, what I mean, like he's been wanting this fight for the longest time. He's been wanting a title shot. He's finally re-upped. Got a new contract, making the what we would call big money. He's making the big money fights now, and he asked for this fight. He asked for it. He's you know, and this fight's gonna go down in L.A., which is right outside of where he lives. And uh, he's excited for this, man. He really wants this fight, and he asked for him first. He wanted to know, if I'm going to be champion, I want to be champion throughout the whole the whole tournament. Yeah, you look at Juan Archuleta and what he does in the cage. It's special as far as the level of pressure that he can bring in a way that he's not available for you to hit to try to get off of him. He's bringing it in a different fashion. He's making you guess. Because you don't know. He comes from that wrestling background, wrestled at Purdue and stuff. But it's wrestling is just part of his game because you watch the steps. And I think it's the evolution that he has gotten from when he started to work. When he was starting to work out with Dwayne Ludwig, mm -hmm. it has changed his striking game. And you look at the strikes and the angles of the way his footwork is getting him into position and the angle of where that shot is coming from. That has changed completely in the last two years of his career. And he's a completely different fighter in the amount of danger there is. And when he starts to do something, you better understand what he's attacking you with and how, or he's going to hit you with a shot that you don't see. Take a look at his last fight, you know, against Dantes. That Dantes comes in, he goes for the kick. You see that, just the raising leg, but it was the step and then that overhand. And he does that in a way. He does this, you know, that fake knee tap. He goes for the knee tap, brings the right hand over, and you just watch the way he sets guys up. And it's the volume of strikes that he puts on you. It's the knees. He gets into the clinch. And the one thing that I love about Juan Archuleta is the fact that he is a wrestler who will get into the clinch and he will disengage from the clinch to land that elbow, land that kick, land that punch, and just degrade you a little bit more. But he's going against a guy who is the champ champ in Patricio Pitbull. And, man, he has got his hands full because it only takes one shot from Pitbull to put your lights out. And so this is a fight where I look at a guy that's got power and strength in Pitbull and I look at a guy who is the guy who's got a volume and pace that can put pressure on a guy to the point where they can break. Now, do I think he's going to break Pitbull? No, I don't think he's going to break Pitbull. But I think he can put that volume and pressure on him that can start to make mistakes. Because when you start to have a guy that continually hits you with something over and over and you're not able to stop it, it starts to make you say, okay, I'm going to try to get you back. And when you start to get in that mindset, I want to get you back, you start to make mistakes, and that's how championships change hands. Now, Pitbull, you can't say anything bad about him. That guy's 29-4. and four. His losses, when you take a look who he's lost to, Pat Curran, Daniel Strauss. I mean, he is Joe Warren. I'm trying to think of the last Benson one. Benson Henderson. You know, but he is just a phenomenal fighter, and he learns every time – he has a fight. He learns something in that fight and makes himself better. And he has made himself better in the last couple fights. And that win against Chandler, people can say what they want. Look, at he went up in weight and he took that man's title. That is not an easy thing to do. And you've got to be one hell of a fighter to do it. Look at Rory McDonald trying to take Gegard's title. Look at what happened. You move up in weight, that's not easy. You know, and he did that and he made it look easy. He made it look easy. The one thing that was not talked about a whole lot that night because we were on the broadcast together was the the fact that the speed was such a factor that he touched Chandler and Chandler dropped. Now we obviously all know he has power. That was never any. That was never in question. We sat back and did the tell. We did the broadcast. We both talked about both of them have a lot of power. We've seen that in their past fights. But with Patricio, the speed was such a factor in that fight, and we've seen it before in some of his other fights. He's dealing with this 45-pound division. They're all going to be fast. I just don't know if Juan has the speed to get in and get out before Patricio touches him and hits him. Patricio's always in that fight stance. He's always ready to throw punches and combinations. And the one thing, because I have experience when I fought his brother, is that they almost fight in a lull you to sleep kind of way. 
and they are so explosive and you don't realize how much power they have until they graze you and all of a sudden you're sitting on your butt and you're like, wow, he didn't even hit me with a clean shot and I still went down. When his brother hit me with his forearm and I sat to my butt, I was like, oh, okay, I get it. I see what's going on now. Like they stand in one (laughs) spot. They stand there and they wait for you and they know their range really well. And the one thing Patricio has is he's obviously got the power, he's got the speed, but he's got this new stance, this new style of how he stands. That that wider stance, kind of almost like a Leota Machida. Yeah, he plays that game now because I think that he's really comfortable in checking the kicks now from that position, as well as it gives him a little bit more speed and power to cover the distance in the range to get in like we saw against Michael Chandler. I don't think Chandler thought he was going to be able to get in that fast and touch him. And when he did, he dropped him. And Juan can't afford to make one mistake because the one thing I noticed with the Juan and the Dantes fight, Juan Archuleta fight and Dantes fight, in that fight, when the fight ended, if you watch the very end, Dantes was able to sometimes push Juan Archuleta's back to the fence. And he's a smaller guy going up in weight. Patricio, this is his weight class at 145. Patricio's going to be able to push Juan a little bit around. I know Juan's a big guy too. I'm not knocking that he's not. And I think Juan's got all the ability to beat Patricio. But I think that with Patricio, that Dantas was able to push Juan around and push him back a couple times and make him think about what was going on. Patricio has the power and the speed to get in. If he lands at all, like White Dantes did, the fight could be over. And oh, that yeah. that's a big, no. that's the big difference in this fight. Because this is a five-round fight. All the other fights are three rounds. This is a five-round fight, and a couple shots early in the fight will make Juan Archuleta slow down, maybe a little less movement, which makes him a little bit more susceptible to getting hit as the fight goes on. I don't think that Juan can fight with all the movement like that for a five-round fight. As he'll, I think it'll be the same type of pace that Emmanuel Sanchez put on Patricio, and I think that Patricio can withstand that pace for the full five rounds because that's all he does. That's all he does is fight. Like this, fight, fight, five rounds. I mean, he's been the champion so damn long. I can't even remember. Like, what's it been? Thirteen fights in a row now, or something like. I don't know. He's got it. He's got a ton. He's, of, he's insane. One man. of the things. One of the things I love about him is he is the, and it's one of the things you know you could look at with his his little beef with Chandler. He is so fired up outside of the cage. He's fiery. He is just temperamental. He is. He's just. A, he's a volcano waiting to explode. But as soon as he steps inside the cage, he's very calculated. He doesn't let his emotions get the best of him. It's one of the things between the brothers that I noticed is inside of the cage, Patricky had to learn how to control that rage, and he's getting there. Patricio has always been able to do it. He's always been able to say, "Eh, I've got time in this fight. I'm not in a rush. And those are a lot of the things that have created wins for him when he was losing fights. His ability to, I'm not not going to rush this. I'm not going to push this past what I need right now. Let me just take my time. He has got a fighter's mentality. He's got a super high fight IQ. He understands when he wants to go forward, when he wants to lay back. He's the real deal. Look at there's. You can look at the featherweights out there. I don't care fighting for who. There's nobody that he can't beat. There's no doubt. I mean, he, I mean, he just beat the 155-pound champ. What makes you think he can't beat anybody at 145? <laughs> There's no way. Exactly. You know? So, um, But I think if anyone was going to beat him in this tournament, Patricio, if anyone was going to beat him, I think it was going to be Juan Archuleta. And the fact that this happened in the first round, it's almost criminal. I feel like I'm being robbed of a main event Grand Prix finals. Right now, I'm getting in the first round. I'm getting in the first round. I feel like I'm getting, I'm getting, it's criminal. It's, I'm getting robbed right now. <laughs> what, what is Scott Coker thinking? <laughs> yeah. Um, look, overall though, I think Patricio, he's going to, the only thing that concerns me with, with Patricio right now is this. Is he so high off the Chandler win that this may be backfired? Like oh, all these guys, I just beat the 55 pound champ. I'm the champ champ. He doesn't, he doesn't come across as someone that, this is enough for me. I'm gonna. He. I think he's that. Mo- I think he's even probably more motivated to win this tournament. Um, but in my mind, I always play that. Did he let it go to his head? Is he thinking that he's better than he is now because of that? And like we've seen it with some other top guys, where they win the title and their ego gets the better of them, and the next you know they lose the title in the next fight, or they just don't perform as well as they used to. Ego's a weird thing, and it gets in the way a lot. 
you know, and it seems to get in the way a lot for for the best athletes in the world. I don't see that at all with Patricio happening, but I'm simply saying that I I could I I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised if something like that did happen with not just him, but with any top athlete. I mean, anybody can look and you know. Anytime you you rest on your past, your future is probably not going to be that stable. All right, you've got to always be working to be better, and that's the one thing that I've always noticed about Patricio is he's always working hard to be better in his next fight, and he's done that. And I don't see him changing his approach for this fight. I think the whole you know champ champ thing is great for him. But he's always got a chip on his shoulder, and he wants to prove to everybody that I am the best featherweight in the world. And look, there's other great guys out there. Max Holloway is a phenomenal champion. He's going to be fighting Frankie Edgar coming up, and that's a fantastic fight. But I'll tell you right now, I'm not saying Patricio walks away with a win from Max Holloway or Frankie Edgar, but I guarantee you they don't walk away with a win against him either unless it's just a war. Yep. He is a guy who will be there to fight anybody, yep. any day of the week, at any place. You know, if you are up against Patricio Pitbull, you are in for a war. Yeah, and I think Juan's going to be in for a war because this, like I said, this is a five-round fight because this is the title fight. Oh, yeah. And I think yep. I think this fight, the longer, I think the first two, the first round I think goes to Patricio because he will, he will eventually touch Juan in the first round. But I think Patricio needs to touch him often and early and often in this in this fight to set precedent that he's not going to just be able to run around and touch me and move run around and touch me and move patrice is going to get out there and try to touch him quickly so he lets him know like hey don't do anything stupid or this fight's going to be over real quick and that's going to change i think a little bit how juan approaches this fight he may fight a little bit more safe so he doesn't get clipped which could eventually just give patricio rounds as the fight goes on being the champion. Uh, if Juan fights like that, if he makes a mistake of being that extra careful, you can't do that. Yeah. This is a championship fight. You got to go for it. You got to give it everything you have. Yeah. You hold back at all, you're going to lose. You yep. got to go with everything you have. You can leave not one bit of energy, not one stone unturned in that fight. If you do, you're looking to walk out with a loss. I agree. I agree with you 100%. Which is strange because, you know, you and I, we very, very, very rarely agree. <laughs> the fact that we agree is horrible. Uh, well, ladies and gentlemen, that's our uh, show today. We covered the whole Bellator uh, Featherweight Grand Prix. I'm going to hit you up with one last question, John. Uh-oh. Let's go, who, baby. Who wins it? <laughs> who wins it? My God, dude, that, you know what? Who wins it? it and is- who's your who wins it? And who's your dark horse to potentially win it? You're one. You only get well, one. I would, I would say, look, if you're going to go with, you know, the smartest choice, you got to go with the champ. You got to go with, you know, Patricio Pitbull is the guy for everyone to, to shoot at. You know, he, he's the champ. He's the champ in that division for a reason. He fights with a hunger still as the champion, and I like that because that's a hard thing to do. When you got that target on your back, you got to create your – purpose you got to create what you are looking at as your that's what i want and he's been able to do that every time so right now i know you know in talking to him he's looking at i want that grand prix tournament he goes there's another belt that goes with that tournament and there's a million dollars and it's mine and i like that attitude that's you know you got to have that vision you got to have that purpose if i'm gonna look at the dark horse in this man it is so hard but i'm gonna have to say my dark horse in it it comes down to a couple, but I would say that either Emmanuel Sanchez is going to be uh, the guy in in the finals, or I'm going to go with got to go with Pat Curran. He's just got that ability and he's got that experience that if he fights the right way, he can make it to the finals. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna also go with Patricio. I think I, I should say this: the winner of that fight is going to probably, I think, be in the finals to win the whole thing. Yeah. The winner of that fight, Juan yeah. Archuleta and Patricio. I leaning towards Patricio, just given his experience at that level, fighting a five-round fight in championship fights. Um, yeah, and that's the, the, exactly what you're saying. Yeah. That five rounds, man. You know, Juan has fought five rounds long ago. He hasn't done it in a long time. And Patricio, that's all he does. 
what concerns so he's used me, to it, and it makes a difference. What concerns me the most with Juan is you have to use that amount of movement for five rounds. It's one thing to do that amount of movement in three rounds. It's another thing to do it for another two rounds. Yep. That's the thing that concerns me. That's first. And then second, my dark horse, I have to agree with you, is Pat Curran. Gosh, man, we're two for two tonight. And mine's Pat Curran. <laughs> it really is. He impressed me so much with AJ McKee, the AJ McKee fight. Sure, he didn't get the win, but the, his game plan was on point. He just didn't fight with his, as much aggressiveness and tenacity as he needed to touch him enough to make him to make him try to engage more, put him in positions where he had to engage. He didn't do that, but I think he learned from that. And I think he knows that he's back on track. His mental is all there. Everything about him is good, and I, I like that. I like that for him. And I actually, when we did the interviews with him and I met his family and his, you know, and... Every, I just, I, I want the best. It's just like you all of a sudden. Oh, you like him. I like That's him. That's what you're saying is I like, I like him. him. I like him, yeah. He's I mean, don't guy. get me wrong. There's Adam Borks is, is good. Uh, AJ McKee is extremely oh, yeah. good. All talented, all young guys. They're all dark horses in my book. But if I have to pick the one, I would say I would probably lean towards Kern. Well, yeah, if you're going to say, look, if, if you're going to ask me, all right, who's the two in the finals? I, I would tell you it's hard to pick because of that. A1 style bracketing that Coker's bringing into this tournament, which I love. Yeah. But you don't know where someone's going to land up. But I would say if you were going to look in a bracket and they were on opposite sides, look at AJ McKee and Pitbull are the two guys you're looking to go to the finals. But you're saying Dark Horse, my Dark Horse, it is, it's packed. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's our show tonight. Weighing in with Big John McCarthy and Josh Thompson. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. And uh, we will touch base again and maybe drop another one this week if we have time. If not, then we'll see you guys next week.